Welcome to the Exit Strategy, your no bullshit guide to divorce with the experienced attorneys from New Direction Family Law and guests that have been there. Unfiltered discussions to help you move from victim to victorious and from bitter to better. Hi, everyone. We're back. I'm Elizabeth Stevenson. And I'm Sarah Hink. And today we are joined by Dr. Susan Orenstein. So thank you so much for joining us yes. today, Susan. Susan is a licensed psychologist and founder and director of the Orenstein Solutions, which is a private practice in Cary, North Carolina, correct? That's right. And, and now it's um, on tele teletherapy these days. Of well, course. First. Yes. Teletherapy is all the rage and it <laughs> should be because if you can't go in person, <laughs> got to do it somehow. Definitely do it virtually. Absolutely. So Susan, tell us a little bit about your practice and, and what kind of work you do there. Okay. So I have a group counseling practice and my specialty is anything to do with adult relationships. So I uh, work with people in couples, doing couples counseling, individuals going through divorce, individuals or couples with intimacy and sexual issues or concerns, you name it. And then the other issues that we talk about can be Anything from blended families, step parenting, in-laws, what causes stress and can get in the way of people having healthy relationships. Yeah, a lot can, correct. We're talking about sex in this period, so we're going to focus on that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you weren't with us with our last recording, <laughs> but we talked about affairs that happen in relationships and how they they apply in the legal field and what kind of lawsuits mm -hmm. can come out of them. So we covered the legal aspect of those affairs and illicit sexual behavior. So of course, we're pulling you in now to talk about the actual emotions and feelings part of that and how to proceed if you're in a relationship and you find out your spouse is having an affair. So is that often that you work with people like that? It is. And the people who are in that stage are often, often in crisis. They feel like a huge blow has occurred and they're really hurting. So when people are coming in and that's a fresh situation, I can see a lot of pain. So when you say they're feeling a blow, it's the person who's found out about the other person having an affair. Yes. Is it all, and maybe this is my naivete, but is it that they didn't want to know or really is it surprise? It, it runs the gamut. I've seen a continuum where some people will have a hunch about their partner. Maybe it's been an affair that's going on a long time and then their partner's been gaslighting them for so mm -hmm. long that they just get confused and know what, don't know what's up and what's down. Other times somebody has a one night stand and they tell their partner the next day and they address it then. So there's a whole gamut of how those couples come through my door or individuals come through my door. What's so the difference between that? Uh, yeah, I got drunk and had an affair last night. I'm sorry. Wake up and tell the other person. Is that typically what happens? And what's the difference between like that relationship and a relationship where there's a long ongoing affair or multiple affairs? There's a lot more damage mm -hmm. in the latter. Mm -hmm. So when there's a pattern, and I will say that some people have a pattern where there's been an affair, they've gone to couples counseling, they've healed, and then the person who has strayed has another affair. And, and I would say those are probably, probably the worst. So the more there is a pattern, and the more that deceit has been part of it, the more painful it's going to be. That's what I think. If you get drunk or you have an indiscretion for one time, that's not intimacy. To me, it's not, not how I would define it. But if it's a long term or going over months or over years, that would be devastating, I would think, to folks. Both sound pretty devastating to right. me, but um, different right. reasons. Reason. And there's different reasons for those affairs and different kinds of people that those two different aspects that they apply to, correct? 
Sure. So I think what's really sad to see is when people have been lied to for years, mm -hmm. that's a big chunk of their life that they are, they have whiplash around. They're like, okay, remember that time we were celebrating our daughter's birthday, but you went into the other room to call someone. Was that the affair? So they're retelling their history for a long time. And, and that's a lot more painful. And that's a lot more work to heal from that. And I think it's a deeper wound. You, if, if yeah. you're, if you feel like you're being like, you can live almost two lives. I'm having this intimate, emotional family gathering and you're here and my children are here and I'm present and accounted for, but then there's this other person and you're out and that causing the question everything. It's like you say gaslighting. You don't know what to believe and what not to believe anymore. So really the person who's been cheated on uh, questions what's reality. Right. And it doesn't have to be about sex. So I think sometimes there are emotional affairs that are devastating for people where, where their partner has been lying to them. And it could be somebody that lives in an, another state or even another country. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's not necessarily that it's physical sex, but it's, I think it's more about the deceit that is problematic. So from your experience in your work and your profession, I is there a reason why people cheat? Is it just all over the board? It's all over the board. It's a cliche, but the midlife crisis, or maybe it's you're a new father and it's that identity crisis mm -hmm. kind of thing. Or maybe you have a substance abuse issue or some kind of personal crisis and you're, you're not addressing it directly. And so it's acting out. So maybe you're drinking, maybe you're turning to somebody else. Um, so that's one scenario. Another scenario is use traveling for business mm -hmm. and they're drinking and they're partying and things just, it, it's not necessary. It's not intentional, but there's access and they hadn't been putting up their boundaries. So they come in saying, Oh, it just happened, but they also didn't protect themselves from it happening. So that that's another example. And then sometimes I think people use an affair as an exit strategy. Mm -hmm. They've been really unhappy for a really long time. And for some reason, maybe it's just too hard to tell the person that right. they need to let go. Maybe they don't even allow themselves to think that they could get a divorce. That's, so I never understand that. <laughs> no, but it's a way to not to happen. So. What you don't have to confront it. You don't have to go to the person and say, hey, this isn't working for me. I think we need to separate. You can blame it. Now you've got something else to blame it on. You, yeah. It, it's doubly bad to me when you do something like that. And Je, I, see, I see Jen, our producer, over here shaking yeah. her head. Yeah. Double bad for <laughs> sure. That's Double the bad. coward's way out, in I my agree. personal opinion. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I'm sure you all have seen even more ways this can play, play no, out. No, I think like, it's, I think it's, I think there aren't a thousand ways. There are three or four and there. It's the same scenario over and over again. I think it's like, you haven't paid attention to me. People are desperate to be intimate and have someone pay attention to them and tell them they're handsome or they're pretty or pay attention. Mm -hmm. But you got three kids and you're a stay-at-home mom. You can't do it. It's hard. Do anyone, does anyone ever come to you and say, and they're alone and they say, hey, Susan, I, I want to have an affair. But before I do that, will you help me figure this thought process out? Oh, my goodness. If people... <laughs> <laughs> I would... I so no, the answer is, you know, that is such a great question. Nobody comes to me directly, but when they're unhappy in their marriage and I scratch the surface and I ask mm -hmm. about who's in their life and who are they starting to get friendly with 
and what boundaries are they using or not using, then it can come out sometimes. But no, nobody comes in to me telling me <laughs> directly. <laughs> that would be a lot of self-awareness. That, that would be fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we always want people to come in and ask questions. But what are the consequences of that? What's a fallout of that that you see in relationships? So much hurt and so much pain. But let me say, I have a podcast called a After the First Marriage. Mm -hmm. And it, it's about how you can have a second start sometimes with a second marriage or with a divorce. And believe it or not, with a first marriage, sometimes people stay together and they can also have a marriage 2.0, mm -hmm. which, which and my logo there is a rainbow because sometimes there's a lot of misery and darkness and incredible pain. But on the other side, people can learn and people can grow. And, and that's really my mission, whether people stay together in a couple or whether they decide to go their own separate way. I think it's so important that people can learn and grow from something as traumatic as, as infidelity. And that's what, I mean, that's what Sarah and I do every day. We sit in people's pain and we have the same philosophy that it, it sucks. It's bad right now. We're going to get you through this. And on the other side, whether you stay together, whether you just separate, it's going to be better, but you've got to make a decision about that. And uncertainty is so hard for people. It's hard for me. I think it's hard for anyone and not knowing, you know, what's going to look like in three months as opposed to even tomorrow. I just found out that this happened. I'm so incredibly hurt. Or on the other side, I see that I hurt my spouse and maybe that person truly doesn't want to end the relationship even though they had the affair. So what's um, the, what are the stats about that? People reconcile? Do they get through that? Some people do get through that. It takes a lot of patience. It, I, I haven't seen anybody get through that quickly. And so I, I think sometimes people rush. You know, maybe there's like a rush to forgiveness or let's make it all better. Mm -hmm. And they're not really addressing what's underneath. And I think that will come back to bite people. So what have you seen that's consistent between folks who can get past that and who do move on? Is there anything? Mm -hmm. It's a commitment to working on the relationship together and to confide in each other, the good and the bad and the ugly. So the marriage 2.0 is going to need to be really honest. And, and honest doesn't mean not tactful or tactless. Honest means sharing your truth and having compassion for the other person. So I, I haven't seen people that can do shortcuts and, yeah. and just say, Let, let's not talk about it. it. Let's pretend it's not there. Because even if you say that you forgive the other person and the other person is okay. The, you know, husband or wife, the one that had the affair and two months from now, then the resentment starts to happen. And that's like a whole new monster in the relationship. Right. So how do you learn to deal with that? Mm -hmm. So I think forgiveness, the concept needs to be broadened because yes, it's, it's good to feel forgiveness and not resent the person. But the additional part of forgiveness is how can you rebuild trust, trust. In the relationship. Right. And if, if you forgive the person, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to trust them. Right. The trust has to be earned and the trust has to be earned by the person who was the one who left the bounds of the relationship has really struggled to understand what happened and really has a plan for making sure they don't do it again. And I think part of that plan, as I understand it, is that you need to have full access. I need full access to your phone, your email. You got to be upfront and honest because if I think once you've been cheated on or deceived, if you say, no, you're not going to see that, even if you're not doing anything wrong, the other person thinks you are. So you got to right. be, it's got to be upfront 
hundred percent. The trust is ruined. And also I would not enjoy being the other person where all of a sudden they do like constantly look over me and see what I'm doing and checking my email because you want to be trusted. And it's just a hard bridge to cross for both people. Even if both parties do want to work on the relationship, there's going to be resentment on both sides. Probably. Yeah. Like I'm not seeing this other person. I promise. So trust me. And that's why a lot of times in our cases, people do have affairs and they'll come to us and talk and then we won't hear from them for a couple of years because they do try. They do try to work on it. They want to stay in the relationship But for some people, they want to go back to the way it was before the affair. And that's just impossible. It's It's changed everything. Right. That would be the elephant in the room that you you must do address. You have to go to your marriage 2.0 that you were speaking about. So how do you get there? Um, Yeah, because the marriage 1.0 wasn't working because somebody had an affair. So you've got to change. You got to switch up and do something not completely different, but you got to do something different. Right. And and I think it's so important that people really know who they're married to. So this is a chance to say, who are you and what do you need in this relationship? And some people might discover they have deal breakers. So for example, I worked with a a couple and one of the partners was bisexual and she really wanted to have relationships with women. And that ended up being a deal breaker. But believe it or not, it's just healthier to be explicit and know what the deal breaker is and have that conversation than to have secrets and betrayal right. and years of the elephant in the room, as, as you put it. Right. How do we prevent that from happening, marrying a stranger? You could live with somebody for five years and still be a stranger because they may not. If, I'm, if you're bisexual, you may not have the insight to go, that's okay. So you're still trying to hide it. So I, I don't even think that if you had pre-marriage counseling and stuff like that, it would take care of all this. And I guess we're always still learning about ourselves right. throughout life. Jen, has, I, I have some stats for you that okay. I would like to hear you guys' input on. All right, good. Susan, you mentioned that people can move through affairs in a marriage. And according to Divorce Magazine, and this research came out two years ago, written by some PhDs. So let's hope they know a little bit about what they're talking about. But reports have said that 60 to 75% of couples who have experienced betrayal stay together due to they're afraid to be single the impact of divorce on their kids, and financial implications. So I feel like you guys both, on both sides, the legal side as well as the emotional side, Susan, can speak to that if you think that those reasons are valid that you guys people see staying in marriages or maybe if they've waited a long time to seek a separation. Yeah, I don't know how valid these results are because if they ask them, if they ask them when they're like two years after the affair and they're like, yeah, I'm good. We don't know what they're like 10 years after the affair. But that doesn't go, but I'll ask Susan, that does not go to the question of why you had the affair. You you didn't have the affair because you wanted to stay with your children because it was financially good. That doesn't get to the issue. That just puts a Band-Aid on it to get you forward. But that doesn't take care of anything. That doesn't get to the issue of why you had this affair. And I think, Elizabeth, you're describing it as if it's a very thoughtful, intentional, rational act. And I would say it's not necessarily <laughs> that. <laughs> Sometimes it's a solution, but it creates a whole lot of other, other problems. problems. But I, I think to your point, though, you're I think you're saying if you were unhappy before and you had the affair and you're not changing anything, then why would you stay? Is that maybe what? Yeah. If you're not going to change, but stay for the kids or stay because it's financially advantaged to you, nothing's going to change. You may not go have another affair, but you're still not going to be intimate. You're still not going to be happy. It's still going to be miserable. Yeah. How do people get intimate after an affair Yeah, with each other, the spouses again? I love the, I just want, I'm going to finish up with Elizabeth and this is a great, is 
I think some people think they can have their cake and eat it too. And so some people don't expect to get caught and they want to have an affair and be in their marriage and then have it all. And, um, a thousand percent agree. Yeah. Thousand percent agree. (laughs) And in a lot of, for years, for decades, for centuries, and in a lot of cultures, it's very common for people to have paramours. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's not even secret, really a big secret in, so yeah, back to the question of how do you start getting intimate with your spouse again without thinking about them having sex with someone else while you're trying to wanting to have sex? Well, let's define intimate. You mean emotionally intimate or sexually intimate? There's probably some steps. Yeah. Both. Thank, yeah, thank you for that question. People vary on that. I have seen some couples when they discover that there's been a sexual affair and maybe they haven't had such a robust sex life get very close sexually actually. And, f- and the person who has been betrayed finds comfort in, mm-hmm. in being sexual again. So that's one scenario. There are some people who, when they are sexually intimate, might have flashback, flashback may not be the word, but have images of their partner having sex with somebody else. And, and that c- can be problematic for sure. I would think that would be an issue. Like you're trying to mentally work together. And then if you just you keep thinking, especially if it was someone who had an affair partner for a while, how do you get that forgiveness and then wanting to have sex again and you're angry and you don't trust them? Maybe you don't want to have sex. And how are you supposed to repair a relationship if you don't want to have sex with that person that cheated on you? So that's a really good question. Some people will warm up, so they might not have start out having sex, but they'll have some ways of getting close, mm-hmm. maybe physical affection, maybe sharing some mm-hmm. sensuality. One thing that I think it think helps is that people really are giving attention to their partner so that they feel like they're seen so that the partner says their name and is looking in their eyes and that they know that it's, it's really them being seen. I think that's a joke that we see in sitcoms is somebody yells the wrong person's name. And it's just like the biggest insult ever. <laughs> so, so I think the opposite really the, the is how do you show your partner you are in love with them? them. How can they be seen or heard? And, and that's not just in the bedroom, but right. every day being attentive and being thoughtful and being considerate. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. being intimate sexually is the easy part. Being intimate so what about emotional affairs? Do people come with you about that? Sarah and I were talking about that before. I think that's that's even harder sometimes to get up. Especially if you see the like text, text and the evidence and you're like, why did he well, just he tell t- this girl that right, he why not loves her or yeah. something like that? Yeah. The, the, yes. So those can be really painful. Sometimes the person having an emotional affair doesn't register that it's an emotional affair and it takes a while for them to him or her to acknowledge it he or she might have a lot of excuses or say it really wasn't what it seemed to be. And I think one of the struggles sometimes is with the, when there is a level of intimacy, sometimes a person who had the affair doesn't want to give it up. Mm -hmm. And that's really heartbreaking for the person who's betrayed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you are separated or contemplating a divorce, it is important that you know your legal rights and options. New Direction Family Law has over 30 years experience protecting the rights of our clients in family law matters. We aggressively advocate, support, and educate our clients to achieve the best possible outcomes. Schedule an initial consultation today.
So have you ever seen, can you spot somebody that says, I'm going to work on this. I'm not going to do this again. I'm really, can you spot a player? <laughs> That's not quit in the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just laughing at me. I start going to Las Vegas. <laughs> but somebody who doesn't want to give up the marriage because one, it's financially not good for them. Yeah, I'm going to lose half my separate. retirement. I'm going to have to pay you alimony. So I'm going to pretend that I'm good. Can you see that? Or do you know that? I can tell sometimes things aren't adding up and people will say one thing, but they're not acting that way, mm-hmm. that things aren't measuring up. And I can never be a hundred percent sure, but I can sense, I wouldn't say a lie, but I can sense there's some hiding of something. That their yeah. actions aren't congruent with what they're saying they're going to do in a way. Just aren't being truthful with anyone. Yeah. Not the well, therapist, not, not their wife, not, not the, the girlfriend <laughs> or boyfriend. Yeah. People come to us all the time and they're not ready to separate, but there's some issues. When do you think it's it's appropriate for folks to take a step back and say, is this worth working toward? Mm-hmm. I, if there's an active substance abuse or major mental illness like bipolar disorder, alcohol abuse, cocaine, you name it. And, and the person really is not in touch with reality and can't be accountable, then staying in that relationship is not going to really change much. That person needs to commit to getting help. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think if your partner isn't committed to getting help, then that speaks to how you may want to forgive him or her, but how will you be able to trust that person if they can't be accountable for their behavior and their behavior will be unpredictable or they may even deny that they did something because they actually blacked out. Yeah. Right. I want to know if you see any difference between the the sexes, like a, a woman cheater or a man cheater and how they come back from that in a relationship and whether or not, I think there's a, I don't know if it's a misconception. I don't know the truth that men have a harder time forgiving women for affairs than vice versa. This would just be anecdotal, but what comes to mind that I think of is just people in tremendous pain, women in tremendous pain and men in tremendous pain. I I think I've seen one thing maybe that's more for men. If this is a mixed sex, you know, relationship, heterosexual relationship, and their, their wife hasn't been that interested in sex for a while, and then they're in a sexual uh, relationship and an affair. I think that is just a really big blow to a man's identity different than it is for a woman. I've seen pain and and trauma in both genders and in same-sex couples too. What would you, what advice would you give to, well, I'm just going to ask for Sarah and I, if someone comes to us and says, I'm thinking about leaving, I'm having an affair. I always tell people, we want you to go see a counselor, even if it's not, if it's not couples counseling, go see someone. Because I think there's always, we don't want people to divorce. We don't want people to separate. We want them to have a better life. And we want them to go find someone that they can talk through that to decide if this is the best way to go for them. Is that something that you can help people with? Sure. So I see a lot of individuals and they come through the door saying saying they want treat counseling for anxiety or depression. And then I ask about 
their relationship mm-hmm. and that comes up pretty quickly. And what we know is there's a huge correlation between adult depression and relationship problems. Mm-hmm. So I would be remiss if I didn't ask about that right away. It does seem to go a lot of times hand in hand with some kind of mental health issue at the time, whether it's something that's depression or you mentioned bipolar before or borderline personality disorders. You see a lot of it combined with that. And Mm -hmm. uh, there's going to be issues even if they do separate because then it's going to leak into co-parenting and and actions that happen after the the separation. Yeah, we don't want people to divorce unless there's a good reason to divorce. If they want to divorce, let's divorce. And let's do it the right way and let us yeah. help you both get through it and do it if, in the best way you can. And if someone comes to me and they're like, I'm having an affair and my spouse doesn't know, but I want, if they want to leave the marriage, I'm like, regardless, you need to stop the affair Fair, because it's right. not going to be good for you. And let's quiet that down for a bit until we can work through these other issues. Okay. I'm going to advise someone that's having an affair in their best interest. They're the client. So going to speak to them on that but it's going to be don't do that for a while (laughs) and if they're really that important to you and you love them so much that you're cheating on your wife for them or your husband for them then the love can wait and it'll be amazing in a few months or a year right but (laughs) that's just it you try to speak rationally to people but a lot of times it's like they're in a delusional little world where they just exist with their affair partner that's right. And What's well, a different state of consciousness? It's like a drug. That's what I say. The endorphins are going it off. It is a there. drug. Yeah. It is a drug. And they, they just, the wife and the kids, it's just take care of them and, but not be present. This is all that matters. I think to your question before of who would you say should get a divorce or shouldn't, maybe this speaks to who should go to couples counseling or not. So mm-hmm. if somebody's struggling like that and they're in the middle of an affair, by all means, they need to go to individual counseling. Right. But I have seen some people in couples counseling and I don't find out till later they're in an affair. And I think that is major gaslighting. Mm -hmm. So there's really no point to go to couples counseling. If you're hiding something that big, then stick to individual counseling. And I don't know if this is good advice, but whenever someone tells me that they're going to do couples counseling or they want to do it, I'm like, you should, but I think people should have an individual therapist as well during the entire process. Agreed. And I don't know if that's that's a recommendation that you make, Susan, or not, but that's what I always tell people because there is the gaslighting and sometimes we can't even tell when the other person's being truthful. So to have a shared joint counseling and then someone to kind of bounce, bounce things off yeah. of. Right. What are signs that you've seen of people that are cheating or could be having an affair? And by the way, sometimes cheating or betrayal is something some people consider, and it's not about sexual or about another mm-hmm. person. So I've seen people, and I'm sure you have too with divorce, betrayal is other kinds of deceit or mm-hmm. lying about finances, gambling, oh, sure. drugs, talking behind the person's back. You know, there's so many ways that mm-hmm. uh, to, to leave your lover, right? Right. <laughs> so, At least 50. So I, I think the signs are... It, I don't know if this would be a sign of an affair or a sign of a problem in your marriage, but I think there's a big overlap. And so if it's not an affair, it's definitely a problem in your marriage. When you are just having trouble trusting your partner, when you're not sure you can take him or her at their word, if they seem to be avoiding you, if you aren't really making good eye contact, if they're not fully answering your questions, they seem evasive. And, and it's cl- clearly if they're going places at night or closing the phone or computer really quickly when you mm-hmm. walk in, that would be a, a pretty red flag, pretty big red flag. 
that's what I say to people. It's like, if I can get your text records, mm-hmm. if I can get your phone messages, I can tell you if somebody's having an affair. Because so, they can't stop themselves. Yeah, they they can't. cannot. So I went, something just popped in my head. You've been doing these televisits you were just speaking of, and now we're all in, been in lockdown and quarantine. Have there been new developments during this time period that you're hearing from people to be like, now that we're quarantined together, I discovered the affair, or someone just... Being under so much pressure, they just admit to it one <laughs> random Tuesday night. <laughs> That's a great question. And not so far. Now, now the point is, oh, my God, I can't get away from my... That's right. What are you going to do? <laughs> Which is so funny because before COVID, the, the complaint was, we don't have any time together. He or she's traveling all the time. And now it's like, oh, my God, go yeah, away. Get out of the house. <laughs> if I only could get... I, I would look forward to missing you. <laughs> So, Susan, this has been fabulous. Thank you for the insight. Sometimes Sarah and I get a little jaded because... We see the crash. We see the end. We see the end of it. So it's good to know that there are are resources and ways and there's hope and options for folks, even if something like this does happen. So how can people get in touch with you? What can they do if they need to talk to you? So I have a pod, a website, orensteinsolutions.com. And um, on the website, you can learn about our specialties and you can contact us contact us anytime I offer a free initial consultation. That's great. Thank you today for being here with us. We really appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much. And I'm Elizabeth Stevenson. And I'm Sarah Hink. And And ain't that some (laughs) Thanks for listening. This episode is complete. Visit newdirectionfamilylaw.com for show notes and resources. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for more resources and information. And remember, with change comes empowerment.